The following podcast is brought to you by Manscaped and their Performance Package 4.0. Get 20% off plus free international shipping plus two free gifts at Manscaped with promo code MORES at www.manscaped.com. And this podcast is also brought to you by CDKeyOffer.com. Use offer code BROKENSILICON for 25% off all Windows keys and DieString for 3% off everything else. And we'll talk about these sponsors more later. But for now, let's just get on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom. And today, as I am actually uh, for three weeks in a row now, joined by my co-host. Dan, indeed, three weeks. This is the first time I think I've ever I've ever done uh, three podcasts in a row. No, I don't think it is. Remember when I was uh, moving to Nashville and you did that shorter news episode oh, where we yeah, talked about yeah, the 3070 mind. Ti? Yeah, I, I guess... I guess it's a thing that's going to happen every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, that but, was that was, you know, a very chaotic time where I decided to move from Peoria, Illinois to Nashville, Tennessee in one month, including selling my house, choosing a house, and moving into a house. Yeah, you definitely uh speed ran a moving. <laughs> I just, you know, I I told my family like uh being like you, you know, our parents and some friends like I just have a feeling that I'm going to move early next year. And once the decision is made, it will be made, <laughs> but it will not be made until it is made. And yeah, I mean, that, that was a, that was a shorter episode, but I, it, it turned out fine. And the good news was the Airbnb I was staying in had excellent acoustics. I remember it's just oh, yeah, blown I away for, by how good those acoustics were. I forgot there was an episode that you recorded in an Airbnb. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also remember like, one of the nights I was there, it's like four nights total, I think. Um, I was playing like Deep Rock Galactic with you and our friends. And I was like, so guys, at some point while we're playing, I will disappear to talk to a realtor about signing closing documents <laughs> in the middle of the night. And that did happen. Yes, it did. But that is not what happened last week. Last week, we had the guest uh, uh, cancel last minute due to personal issues. Daniel Nenny, I'm sure he'll be on later this year. Uh, I was able to get a server engineer on to talk about uh, like half of the subjects me and Daniel were planning to talk. And the other Daniel, you, you came on in the beginning to address a couple of reader mails that I thought I could answer well instead of me and Daniel Nenny. And then just uh, some stuff about the 7600 XT to rope you dang gamers into listening to me talk about server stuff. <laughs> gamers don't want to hear about servers, though, apparently. You got to trick them. You got to trick gamers. <laughs> you got to go, this is this is actually about this. Oh, surprise. Sierra Forest is t- 288 cores. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. It did successfully seem to do it again in some content this week, which we'll get to. But before we do that, let us read an opening reader mail here. QH Freddy writes in and says, also a Sony Xperia 5. 5.2, that is user. And I really do like this phone. Before it, I tried the costed down Xperia 10.2 a while back, and it was horrid. The screen turned a disgusting green tinge 
when you lower the screen brightness. That's insane. When I asked about it on Reddit, some guys were sipping hopium that Sony would fix it in a firmware update, and that never happened. If you turn down the screen brightness with this phone, it just will turn green. Honestly, it's crazy what the phone fans put up with. As much as we have a lot of shitty half-working software and hardware on PC, especially looking at you, Microsoft, it feels far less bad than on phones. And for what? These things cost like a grand. They want you to buy a new one every one to two years. PC software devs would drool at this prospect of having that much recurring sales. Um, Yeah, I mean... I, I thought this was an interesting one to read as an opening reader mail. We didn't have really any connections, or corrections or omissions I wanted to get to in this episode. Uh, he's referencing a discussion we had in the last Die Shrink, which, of course, you guys get access to if you support us on Patreon, um, about which phones we use. And I thought it was a good thing to set the stage for this episode of, I guess it can always be worse. I mean, this really is a thing, isn't it? Like two years after me and you have gotten some phones, they're just like, no more updates. That hasn't yeah. happened to me recently. But it, it did happen before. Yeah. We put up with a lot of crap for phones, mostly just because they're essential in our day-to-day life at this point, and no one's really willing to give up having a smartphone at this point. I mean, that's kind of why, and I talked about that a little bit on that die shrink, why I just don't spend a lot of money on phones at this point. It's, mm-hmm. it's not worth it. <laughs> well, I think... We've all accepted that we'll spend more probably than like $100, $200 on a phone if you make okay money because we use it constantly. Like I can say that owning a phone for two years feels like if I owned a laptop for four mm-hmm. <laughs> because it I've used it more than that laptop would have probably in four years. Having said that, though, I, I think that there is a limit that everyone's reached where you see like all of these companies trying to raise the price of iPhones and other stuff over and over and over and people just have decided they're not going to pay more we have seen a ceiling in the price of phones be established uh recently well, well what if you spend instead fourteen hundred dollars on this phone that folds and uh breaks in a year because you have to fold it all the time <laughs> well or there's like that one xperia uh phone that I don't, it has like I, th- I think this will spark an argument in the comments, but it has a one inch lens or whatever it is, but technically you can only utilize so much of the lens. It's not really that, but mm-hmm. and that giant camera lens right on the back of it. Mm-hmm. And I think they tried to sell it for $2,000 or something, maybe 1800, you know, a ton of Ram, a ton of storage, an insane camera, but I don't know why anyone would buy that when, and this has happened less than a year after launch. It's already like half the price on Amazon. Like, so I think that in of itself is limiting how much people are willing to spend on phones because if like a, you know, console cycle or some, maybe a PC desktop is five years and a laptop's two and a half years, well, if a phone's less than that, who is really going to spend two grand on a phone or how big can that market really be when we know this will lose half its price in a year? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. At a certain point, it's like if you're into photography, just... uh Take the plunge and get a nice camera, too, or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's because I've been using, like, a 4K camera that's capable of all different types of things. I still upload my videos in 1440p. Uh, God, when did I get this thing? I want to say it was, like, 2020 or something. Maybe end of 2019, I got a decent camera to use for Moore's Law instead. Yeah. And, yeah, it certainly hasn't needed to be replaced. I mean... 
Yeah, I, I, it's just I was using this for other stuff, which I did use it for that project we had called uh, Flyover States too. This is I can't see why this would be replaced for years. It just works well. Yeah, <laughs> there, just, just get a good camera if you care about if you really want to get good camera quality, and don't have it tied to a phone that might only exist for a year and a half or something. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of reaching the limits of how much people will pay for a mobile product, Ooh. let us then move on to the first story. Story number one, Moore's Law is dead leaks, 8107, uh, 8106 dies, and also today we'll be leaking some performance uh, mm-hmm. regarding 8106 as well. So on February 2nd, Moore's Law is dead tweeted out the first die shots of 8107 and 8106. The notables include that 8107 die is between 150 to 160 millimeters squared, which is a tad bigger than what most people are expecting, at least from what I saw Googling around. And 8106 is 180 to 190 millimeters squared, perhaps a tad smaller than most seem to be expecting. Now, the reason I use a range is this comes from official documents provided to NVIDIA's partners. But they seem to use different numbers for some of the partners. So I'm going to assume there's something going on here where NVIDIA is maybe trying to suss out leakers or only telling them what they need to know for the part they're making for these cards. And so I shouldn't assume it's exactly what these partners were told. But I'm confident in those die sizes. And overall, these sizes are entirely believable given the paltry specs of the laptop RTX 4070 and 4060 cards. You see, the RTX 4070 laptop card is a 120-bit product that can be constrained to only 35 watts. And the 4060 laptop GPU is also a 128-bit card with less L2 cache that can be constrained to 35 watts as well. I saw some people in the comments, both on Twitter and YouTube, saying they can't believe the size. But I would say, and I did say to these people, anyone expecting dies remotely close to the Ampere cards and laptop they're replacing had way too optimistic expectations for anything that can be limited to 35 watts of the 128-bit <laughs> bus. And so speaking of over-optimism, Moore's Law said also has a new leak for this podcast regarding 8106 performance. Apparently, according to one of my contacts, um, 8106, a, which is used in the RTX 4070, is benchmarking 15% faster than the laptop RTX 3070 in the lab. Now, both of these, the laptop 4070 card that uses 106 and the 3070 card that uses uh, GA104 are limited to 115 watts. However, this contact of mine uh, did want to mention that he does not know if things could change once you put these into a final laptop design where there could be different thermals than what they're using in the test benches, nor if final vBIOS or driver updates could change things a tad. And this correspondingly lines up with, I think, what I've seen floating around in discussions, at least on the Moore's Law's Dead Discord, that the RTX 4060 Ti desktop card, if it uses full 8106 and is, of course, pushed well past 150 watt, 115 watts, uh, could perform maybe 5 to 10% better than an RTX 3078 gigabyte, if better at all, depending on the TDP chosen. I can also report that I'm hearing whispers that the 4060 laptop edition is maybe 15 to 25% better than the laptop 3060. Again, depending on TDP, the higher the TDP, the less constrained the 8 nanometer Mm -hmm. uh, Ampere card is relative to the 4 nanometer NVIDIA card uh, that came out. And also that NVIDIA is thinking of dropping the MX series branding in the future in favor of calling their 25 watt and lower products RTX 4040 or something like 
that. Oh. That actually lines up with what other people have been telling me too. They're not seeing a lot of references to new MX cards, despite it sounding like there's maybe a 108 die for a Lovelace. So yeah, there you go. I mean, I like first pictures of the 106 and 107 dies. From what I'm hearing, the 106 die will perform around a 3070 or something uh on desktop maybe up to a 3070 ti or a tad better on desktop if you let it use like 150 200 watts on laptop you're looking at something that's 15 percent better than the <laughs> you know laptop 3070 which considering this hat the laptop 3070 had like what 15 percent more cuda cores and double the bus width I- i'm surprised this thing's better than it at all in fact talking to some contacts who have these laptops they're like yeah, um, we don't expect this to be almost any better than the 3070 laptops based on the specs. And if it turns out 15% better on average, they're optimi- <laughs> they're pleasantly <laughs> surprised, if anything. But yeah, what did you think about all this uh, this new information, the stuff I leaked a week ago or something? I mean, that was the thing I th- think I discussed with you when we you were initially talking with me about it. I, I, I was kind of skeptical that uh, the 4070 and 4060 cards were going to be at all more powerful than their counterparts, which... I, I guess once again we've that's been hammered home at this point pretty well that Lovelace is actually a pretty efficient architecture. It's just uh, they're pushing it to its uh, power limit on desktop, so that eh, makes sense that they, it might be decent for you know lower power designs. But the I think the one fifteen or the higher TDP thing is the. Uh, performance that everybody actually like looks at when they're coming out with benchmarking so if it doesn't end up beating the 3070 laptop in reviews like the 4070 that would be i don't know still not that surprising if uh they're most i, people I, are I testing do think it'll be about 15 percent better though yeah you know, I, I mean laptops. i guess that's something it, but it, it's not really anything to write home about and it's more just a it's more just a, an advertisement to me if that you see a decent deal on uh, older laptop designs, just get that instead. Don't wait for whatever this is going to be. Yeah, let me see here. So the laptop, the thing that I find interesting, though, and again, I think it's impressive if they're able to bring 3060 performance to a 35 watt laptop. That's crazy. I mean... You could feasibly have these laptops that are gaming on battery for a few hours with almost next-gen, con- well, depending, it's better yeah. than this Xbox Series S, <laughs> uh, console performance. That's, that's cool. But the fact that it's called a 4070 means, I think we can agree on this, the 35-watt version of the laptop 4070 will probably lose to the laptop 3060 or be around a laptop 3060. And even yeah. if... It is impressive from an efficiency perspective. Still, the 35 watt RTX 4070 laptops, they're probably going to be sold for like $2,500. And you're getting like (laughs) worse performance than a $1,000 watt, a $1,000 laptop from freaking 2020 or 2021. I I think NVIDIA realized they were leaving money on the table with laptops. So (laughs) now they're trying to get it back. But I, I also just think that speaks to uh, the the fact that they are continued uh, branding or their honestly lack thereof a branding of the SKUs. Uh, I mean, SKUs that are on their laptop graphics cards is 
just there to confuse people seemingly like it made a lot more sense uh, before ampere uh how they advertise the different power limits of their cards and now they're just not doing that so like you say a 4070 laptop might get you anywhere from 20 percent better performance than a 3070 laptop or worse than a 3060 mm-hmm. uh who knows <laughs> Yeah, I really liked when they would put max Q on it because I didn't see it as a bad thing. I just saw it as, oh, because I, I have a I have a 2060 max Q. I saw that as, oh, so what I will, this thing just won't get very hot. I don't mind that. What I'll do is I'll undervote it, undervolt it, overclock the memory, and it performs in my testing within 15% of a desktop 2060. That uses, actually, I think I tricked it to use 80 watts, by the way. <laughs> um, and depend with my... Uh, new settings in the overclock but yeah i had no problem with that i just want to know what i'm buying yeah at the end of the day you probably the max q are probably lower bend products but you know i don't think that means they're bad in in a correctly priced laptop but i'm sure nvidia sees the uh max q branding or people see the max q branding and they see that as the I don't know, value branding and they don't want to get it. So maybe that was the ultimately led their decision to uh, get rid of all of that branding, even if it makes a lot of sense. And now everybody is confused all of the time of what product they're actually buying. Yeah, and, it, and it all comes down to how does this benefit NVIDIA? It may look shady. It may be shady or maybe not if shady, less honest than they could be, but it doesn't benefit them to tell you what they're buying. So they don't. Yeah. And I just, God, the only thing that can stop this is AMD getting market share and laptop being more honest and getting more sales while they're being more honest. Then NVIDIA will feel pressure to respond in kind especially when it comes to pricing is these laptops. I mean, it's just absolutely pathetic. You know, again, there it is. Then the 4070 laptops, they're going to be at least, you know, $1,500. I think I've only seen what the cheapest one I've seen is 1700 and you're, and you're getting last gen mid range performance. It's, it's ridiculous. I I just really hope no one buys these things because it's, it's last NVIDIA is trying to make high end laptops, five grand, not three grand. It's last gen mid uh, tier performance in a whole new package. AKA the pretty much the same thing. <laughs> now, having said all this, I think I don't remember where, but I, I saw at least some discussions in the Moore's Laws Dead Discord about, you know, the RTX 4060 Ti uh, desktop edition possibly using full 106 instead of cut down 104 like last gen. Mm-hmm. And seeing this performance, you know, so what? We got the 4608 CUDA core. 106 die performing about 15% better than a 5,120 CUDA core Ampere die at the same power. So it stands to reason, push this to like 150 watts. And I think you'll get something that's, you know, once you adjust both of them and consider the desktop 3070 more CUDA cores, it's probably a hair better than a desktop 3070 or around there. Yeah. Sounds about right to me for what they'll call 4060 Ti. <laughs> Don't yeah. you think? Or, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, that'll probably be a 4060 Ti, right? The only other option is a 40- I mean, if they called it the 4060, I would be be happier, but it, I'm like, the, will they? If they called it a 4060, they might be calling something what it should actually be called. So God forbid they do that. And if I go to 
Let's see here. Pull up the, a 3060 review and look at the final performance. So the 3060 was, I just want to look at where it was relative to like a 3070. Yeah, I mean, if you add something, it, it would be a pretty huge leap in performance if they call it the 4060. Yeah, because that was one, two... It's like the 35, 40. I mean, there were games where I found the 3070 was 50% stronger than a 3060 um, at the right setting. So, yeah, I mean, that'd be a huge leap in performance for a 60 to 60 class. I think they could charge 400, but if I had to guess, they want to charge 500 for this. And so they'll call it the 4060 Ti and desktop. They call it for, if they make it 450 and it's actually 450, I'd go, well, okay, you're bringing like 20% more performance to that class while increasing price 10%. That's the best case scenario I think we're going to see here. I think you're going to yeah. see a little better than 3070 performance for the same price as a 3070 with the same amount of RAM and better ray tracing. Maybe, if, although VRAM's a huge issue for ray tracing now. At this point, if we're lucky, they honestly, they won't just put it at the price uh, at the MSRP of the 3070, I feel like. You know, like, oh, you're getting better performance at the 60 level for 3070 performance. I mean, 3070 pricing, which is... Mm-hmm. basically what they've done this generation the entire time anyways yeah all right so let me the, i don't think you have anything else to say about this no though. all right yeah all right so let us then move on to story number two rtx 4090 and 4080 laptops reviewed and now i'm going to quote from tim at tech spot slash hardware unboxing his 4090 reveal and then i'll throw it to you he says of the 4090 NVIDIA's new GeForce RTX 4090 laptop GPU is set to become the fastest mobile GPU for gaming. Since the launch of Ampere about two years ago, things have been stagnant in the gaming laptop space, but with the arrival of the 40 series, we're getting a new architecture, a new node, and new levels of performance. The 4090 laptop chip is built using 8103 silicon, the largest that could feasibly fit in a laptop form factor, given constraints to size, power, and cooling. This leaves the 4090 laptop with... 9,728 shader units, the same number as the desktop 4080, as well as several other specs that are shared between these two, such as the 16 gigabyte memory capacity and 256-bit bus, checking out 4K performance, which essentially removes all CPU limitations across the game's benchmark. At the resolution, the 4090 laptop GPU was in, at 4K resolution, it was an average 58% faster than a 3080 Ti laptop, including large gains in titles that were previously a bit CPU limited. With some titles hitting a 70% increase and a minimum of a 45% uplift over the 3080 Ti, the 4090 laptop does make 4K gaming on laptops more of a reality. Most titles hit 60 frames per second on average at 4K using the 4090 laptop with rasterization. There is no doubting the 4090 laptop GPU is extremely powerful and opens up new possibilities for laptop gaming with 50 to 60% performance improvements over the previous gen laptop flagship, and it is perfect for 1440p high refresh rate gaming. However, comparing these prices to last-generation GPU models, NVIDIA launched the 3080 Ti laptop GPU starting in $2,500 laptops. And these days, you're looking at spending about $2,300 at the lowest, although I've seen them getting towards $2,000 now, by the way. And these days, you're going to be looking at spending... Uh, you'll be offering 50 to 60% more gaming performance in GPU-limited scenarios for 50% more money. Yes, there's a huge generational leap in performance, but it's hard to get all that excited when it doesn't seem to come with any pricing improvement at all. You're thus faced with spending more money in line with the speed increase. Bottom line, 
The performance on offer is excellent. The hardware is clearly very good. It's fast, efficient, and very impressive. But in this size of laptop, the absurd prices we're looking at, it's hard to recommend it to most gamers. With demand for consumer PCs falling, we think flagship 4090 powered laptops are going to be a very tough sell in any significant numbers, despite what NVIDIA clearly wants here. So that was, you know, a read up, a write up or from TechSpot on the 4090. I assume you looked around at 4080 laptop reviews as well. You know, we talked about the specs. We talked about the announcements in previous weeks. What do you think of the final reviews of the 4090 and 4080 laptop cards? Uh, I mean, they're the 4080 and 4070. I mean, sorry, the 4090 and 4080 laptops are basically 4080 and 4070, and they've just rebranded them uh, a thing up, which, you know, that's why you're getting uh, two things called a 4090, one performing 60% better than the other one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because this is a power-limited 4080. Like, exactly a power-limited 4080. Um, So you're going to get something for that's worse than a 4080, and I guess you're going to have to spend, what, three grand at the lowest end for that? For the 4090, uh, yeah. I, I can't find one that's cheaper than 4000 Dan. Okay, so 4000 So, <laughs> great. Fact, we, let me try to uh, keep talking, but I'll, I'll look, I know of one website that seemed to have the cheapest one I could find. It's just there's not much to say about, like, performance when you're, when you're charging, uh, according to Tim, 60% more than, for 60% more performance than the 3080 Ti. Nothing new has nothing that much new has really been added at to the table uh with that in mind especially when you're at like lower tiers of performance because uh, essentially below this you're not going to have anything new that you couldn't have gotten before so i mean i guess it's cool that the 4090 laptop it brings a new level of performance that to laptops that you previously couldn't have gotten but beyond that the 4080 and below our laptop are kind of uninteresting cards to me because all you really have is something that's already existed at the same price performance with i guess dlss3 added so you can i don't know play cyberpunks 2077 at a playable frame rate uh if mm-hmm. you want to turn on ray tracing <laughs> yeah uh, and by the way just to confirm uh on exotic pc they sell sager slash kivo rebrands mm-hmm. or restickered you might say laptops with the 4090 um and a 4k144 hertz display and a i9-13900hx for $3,300 so you know you can get a 4090 laptop for $3,300 here on exotic pc which i bought from them before a long long time ago (laughs) (laughs) but uh it is worth pointing out um that the way Sager gets these laptops to have these specs at this price is the thing has a less than two hour battery life. So I'm just letting you guys know, like if you buy this, yeah, you get an i9 Raptor like i9 and a 4090, but it's it, it like, I'm not talking about gaming. I'm talking this thing lasts two hours on battery. <laughs> they massively cheap out on some components to get you the highest specs in a laptop so i think in reality for a decent quality one with okay battery life while you're not gaming you're looking at four grand Um, i mean conceivably you'll get it for less but it's about four grand 
looking around at the at like 3080 laptops, most I mean 3080 Ti laptops. Sorry, most of them are still selling for like three grand at, at, at the at the lowest end. If you want to really uh, customize down your specs, you can get it to like two and a half thousand, I guess. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I would guess the 4090 laptop, most are probably going to be somewhere now looking at the landscape are going to be somewhere between like what, four, five thousand mm-hmm. dollars, you know, cheap car level <laughs> uh, pricing. Yeah. And, you know, this is something we uh, talked about on previous broken silicons when they announced the starting at pricing. You know, I asked people at like micro centers, new eggs, OEMs how many of these are you planning to sell? And they're like, well, you know, not as many as our mid-range ones. And I said, right, but like, you just told me you have like 10 models that cost over five grand. Usually it's like one per company or something. And so there's no way around it though. They plan to sell you something that loses to a 4080 for four to $5,000 in high numbers, or there wouldn't be so many different models with it, right? Like, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of like a parallel, but it's like when you see tons of marketing for an RTX 4080 and 30 different AIB designs, they were hoping to sell a lot of them. It wasn't yeah. like the RX 6700 where AMD practically doesn't acknowledge it exists and there's like two models to choose from. You know, I guess their argument though is what? If you have a, if you have a 4080 desktop build, that's going to be run you what? Probably three thousand dollars at the minimum two to three yeah i'd say well if it's focused on gaming yeah if it's focused on gaming i guess if you get like a 7700x with that or something or 7700 even you could save some money but which as far as i'm aware comes with money now from micro center (laughs) yeah they're they're actually paying getting like 300 we'll talk about it later they're like 300 (laughs) dollars with free ram at some places so (laughs) they're actually paying you to take 7700s now Mm -hmm. um but (laughs) Yeah, I, I guess that's true. But like, so the premium overlap, to, uh, the same level of performance on laptops still is like what forty to fifty percent, which mm-hmm. I think is their argument is yeah, you're getting a decent panel with it and uh, portability. So yeah, I'm not against this. laptops having a premium <laughs> for the portability and the bidding. It's just so insulting of like. Like it's it literally is the same specs as a forty eighty. Call it a forty eighty. Put it in a two thousand dollar laptop. I it's expensive, but I'm not going to say it's insane. But the second you start putting like we're about to see, I mean the forty seventy laptop card has a die size less than half as big as the thirty seventy laptop card, and the same amount of RAM. For sure, that costs less than a thirty seventy laptop to produce, mm-hmm. and they want to sell it for more. And it's just, I don't know. I I think, I, I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. And it, it, it turns into us beating a dead horse here. I really don't know what to say about these laptops. It's like, I'm not surprised they're efficient. I'm not surprised at their level of uh, performance, but they are named like cards they're not, and they cost maybe 30, 40% more than they should. Yeah, I, the, the only problem, it, it just feels like beating a dead horse talking about it, like you say, at a certain point, because I mean, yeah, they cost 30 to 40% more than they should, but if they price them lower, it's like, well, now we have to just talk about how basically everything on the market probably costs 30 to 40% more than it should. Mm-hmm. Or in the desktop space, I don't know, depending on the graphics card, maybe it's only 10 to 20% more, but well, it depends everything, on the card, but yeah. yeah. Everything's just super overpriced. So, yeah. Well, besides the low end, 
that again, besides low end la- and mid range last gen, you know, yeah, that that's, products that's kind of properly priced. It's not still don't think it's great, but it's better than it. It, it feels like a huge relief after two years of whatever was going on uh, before Lovelace and uh, RDNA three released. Well, speaking of relief, mm-hmm. I believe AMD felt some relief when they released their quarter four 2022 earnings, or certainly their investors may have. What do you think? Jesse didn't like it when I messed around with a full goatee while trying out my new razor, but lucky for me, cutting the rest of it off required very little effort thanks to the quality of Manscaped. This video is brought to you by Manscaped.com and their Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, a weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver deodorant, crop reviver toner, boxer briefs, and even a travel bag to hold your goodies. Their fourth generation electric trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, and it's even waterproof so you can use it in the shower as well. And actually, it has a very smart cordless charging system that really did impress me with its ease of use and ability to track readiness. It's time to take care of yourself to join the over 8 million men who trust Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free international shipping with code MORES. That's M-O-O-R-E-S. 20% off free international shipping at manscaped.com with that offer code. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped today. Let's get then to story number three. AMD beats Q4 earnings expectations, projects slight decline in quarter one this year. On January 31st, AMD announced that revenue for the fourth quarter of last year was at $5.6 billion. Gross margins were at 43%, operating losses of $149 million, and net income of $21 million, and diluted earnings per share of about one cent. Lisa Su, CEO of AMD, stated that 2022 was a strong year for AMD as they delivered best-in-class growth in record revenue despite the weak PC environment in the second half of the year, that they accelerated their data center momentum and closed strategic acquisition of Xilinx, significantly diversifying business and strengthening their financial model. Although the demand environment is mixed, they are confident in their ability to gain market share in 2023 and deliver long-term growth based on their differentiated product portfolio. For the first quarter of 2023 this year, AMD expects revenue to be uh, approximately $5.3 billion, plus or minus $300 million, which is a decrease of approximately 10% year-over-year. Uh, their year-over-year client and gaming segments are expected to decline, partially offset by embedded and data center segment growth. AMD expects non-GAAP gross margin to be approximately 50% in the first quarter of the year. So, yeah, a rough end to 2022 for AMD, like, most companies in semiconductor. But overall, most analysts that I talked to and saw online talking about it were impressed by how well AMD has done compared to its competitors and pleasantly surprised by AMD's modest warnings of a slight decline in quarter one of this year compared to Intel, who is worryingly vague about what they expect in quarter one, but warning of an even worse quarter than last quarter. This is a stark difference to the forecast AMD has given. So, what'd you think, Dan? Yeah, I, it, to me, it just looks like uh, if you're looking at AMD stock over the past quarter, it kind of looks like their expectations were more so than anything were just more properly set. Like they didn't have a great earnings call per se. No. It's just this is what they expected. <laughs> 
So I mean, like looking at their their stock, they dropped over the course of twenty uh, of Q three twenty twenty two, and then they jumped up ten percent again uh, the day after the earnings call, which to me just says. It's pretty typical of yeah. an AMD earnings. Hey, less bad than we thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, you said that it's like things were how they expected, not good, but not horrible. That is very different than Intel, who, I, and this is why I feel like we have to cover AMD's earnings here, and I'm sure in some broken silicon content we'll talk about NVIDIA's, which comes out, I believe, around when this podcast drops, um, you know, or at least maybe a week after this podcast drops, maybe I'm misremembering, but, uh, you know, Intel said they'd have a bad quarter four, and then it was catastrophic. AMD said, we expect some decline. It was a slight decline, and they think quarter one will be fine. And everything I'm hearing about Intel's quarter one is that it's not going to be fine, that if you thought quarter four was bad, just get ready for quarter one. And in fact, I think that's because they're kind of like moving some things around so they wouldn't get reported until quarter one. (laughs) I'm kind of still hearing they're doing the same, especially with layoffs for quarter two. So I really don't think we're going to see the rock bottom of how bad things are actually going for Intel until quarter two. And it doesn't seem like things are horrible for AMD. They're taking market share. They're down in the markets. Everyone else is down, but not down by that much. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm looking at NVIDIA. NVIDIA's is the 22nd down. Okay, so I remember they're correctly expected, by the end of my talking. <laughs> and their their expected earnings per share are eighty cents. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I don't know. AMD good earnings call good earnings call in the moment. It just doesn't necessarily speak to you know them doing super well. They're just this is better. <laughs> this is better than what a lot of people expected. Which yeah, I. It, that seems a lot better to me than overshooting expectations like, uh, I don't know, often seem to happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is clear that they're just going to accept, they're going to keep good margins, but they're going to accept lower ones. Um, like what we're seeing in the pricing of the products we're going to talk about now in story number four, AMD Zen 4 X3D product pricing and launch dates announced. On February 1st, AMD announced the retail channel pricing of its upcoming Ryzen 7000 X3D Zen 4 line of AM5 processors. Specifically, AMD announced retail availability from February 28th onwards this year for the Ryzen 9 7950X3D and 7900X3D. That 16-core model will cost 700. The 12-core model will cost 600. Meanwhile, the 8-core 7800X3D launches on April 6th uh, for $450. And while this pricing is, at least in this writer's expectations, totally predictable for the 16-core 7950X3D dropping to at $700, the same price they launched the non-X3D versions months ago, the 7900X3D and 7800X3D do seem about $20 to $100 more expensive than expected. Like, I would have expected the 16-core or the 12-core mm-hmm. X3D model to maybe be $550, $500, and the 8-core to be $400 to $420 or something like that. Uh, although it's unlikely they will have any real challenger from Intel in these segments of gaming, so that's probably why they're more money than expected. And if people want to save money, AMD's probably going to point to the 7700X, which as we've already joked about is gravitating towards $300 anyways. So yeah, I mean, we've been talking about Vcash forever. Of course, I leaked its performance with Zen 4 mid last year or something. And then they confirmed that recently. And then they didn't say the prices yet. Now I know the prices. Now we know when it's coming out. What do you think about Zen 4 X3D? Um, 
7950x 3D pricing is good. I think, like you said, the other two are a little disappointing. Um, I was hoping that they would go for the, I don't know, like 20 bucks cheaper than the, uh, like the, the, I mean, I was hoping like the 7800x 3D would be like, I, I don't know, 20 to $30 cheaper than the uh, 7900x. But I guess what they're doing is saying, pick one of them. <laughs> Well, and that's a sales model that has worked well for Zen 3 as it continues to sell in their budget, you know, lineup uh, below Mm -hmm. AM5. They've priced the 5800X 3D the same price as the 5900X. You know, which one do you want? Do you want 20% better gaming performance or do you want 50% more multi-threading? Up to you. You decide. I guess that's just AMD saw that and saw that they both sold really well at the same price to the people that wanted each one. so I, I think that right there explains it entirely with the 7800X 3D and the um, and the uh, 7900. But I got to say, the 7900X 3D at $600, I guess it's the same thing. Again, it's like you get Vcash in 12 cores or you get all 16 cores with the 7950X 3D. But that one does seem a little odder to me. But it, it's really the same pattern, I guess. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot. The 900 var. Ver, uh, CPU from AMD is always the ugly duckling, and the X3D variant of that is no different, really. Where it's like, I don't know, I think I would rather just go all out and get a 7950X3D or get something cheaper than the 12 core model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think like. I, I guess the next thing I bring up, I mean to say, is I've seen in the comments, um, I talked about this on the last Loose Ends because this news dropped like right before that live stream. So I'm like, oh, we'll talk about that as one of the subjects there. And unsurprisingly, we got a lot of reader mails in for the live stream on that. And there was in the comments section on YouTube, there are people like, wait, this guy thinks Zen 4 X3D could beat the i9KS by 20%. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Unless you buy $400 DDR5. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't know why that's a shocker to anyone, but... There's some the, bizarre defenders of the insanely priced i9-13900KS nuclear reactor CPU that requires a graphics card's worth of money in RAM just to get it to beat the i9K by like five fucking percent and i don't understand how they think that's a good argument that this is going to compete with zen 4 x3d at all i'm just throwing yeah. it out there I, I have to address this i've seen some insane takes the 13900ks is just it, it it exists for them to say they like have the highest clocked cpu and that's it it doesn't mm-hmm. do anything impressive it it <laughs> you have to spend so much money to get it to actually like you say be distinct from the k what what is the point of this thing like just buy a, just buy a 7950x3d or hell buy a, a 7800x3d and get 80% i mean or get like 92% of the freaking performance you would get of the 13900ks anyways and spend how much less money the what is the 13900ks it's like $800 or something, correct? It's like $700. Oh, you know, 700. Let me check okay. for this podcast because I heard this thing had, um, talking to some people in the channel, like ridiculously low volume production. It's like it sounds really, like they were barely sold in samples. It sounds like they were. 
it's 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 it well it has a coupon right now but let's say it's 700 bucks yeah yeah i mean if uh their reviewer copies uh say anything oh the lack of review things that uh parts they sent out suggest anything it's that they're selling like i don't know a hundred of these or something like it seems like an absurd i heard like the production of this cpu is in like the tens of thousands not hundreds yeah i know i I was being sarcastic but yeah yeah um there's just not much to compare with the 13900KS, I guess, unless you can still buy one, because it doesn't seem like there are many you people can, that want which to. tells me not a lot of people want it. You yeah, know? so, I mean, it, it makes sense that not a lot of people want it, because it doesn't really do anything unless you want to spend... Uh, 300 bucks on work. RAM or something. Yeah, and, and like, uh, I don't know, get a custom cooling solution, because that's basically your only option for actually cooling that freaking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, just to be clear, like when I look at an 11 game average with a 4090 and 1080p, which who is gaming in 1080p with this <laughs> graphics card, and you compare the yeah the, the 13900KS with 7200 DDR5 is like 5% faster than a 7700X or something. Um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, like, look, X3D is going to add like, you know, fifteen to thirty percent more performance over the seventy seven hundred X, which is the best gaming Zen four product, and that means you're looking at something that is probably going to beat Intel by like, you know, there will be games where it's twenty percent. So I don't know, and, and the all these products like the seventy eight hundred X three D is four fifty. The 7900X3D, which actually has barely less cash, by the way, I've noticed, than the 7950X3D, <laughs> meaning that either they're using a full 8-core CCD with vCache plus a 4-core CCD for the 12-core, or more likely, I think, they're giving the full vCache layer on top of a 6-core CCD, yeah. that, which I mean, means that's what it'll I be excellent at gaming, you know, so... Yeah. It's not well, it's not like they it's there's something where they have to disable part of the V cache because there's less cores below it or something. Um, as all I'm saying. And yeah, I guess that's six hundred dollars, that's a hundred dollars less than the i9 13900 k doesn't require fast RAM, uses half the energy, is gonna win like I don't know, could in, in a lot of games 20% more than the i9 13900 KS. So this is why the pricing is where it is. It's because the i9 13900 KS is 700 and AMD's going to beat it at the same price with a 16 core at pretty much everything and then if you want better gaming but some of the multi-threading it's cheaper all the way down the stack yeah i i I mean we i think we discussed that when the uh non-x versions came out too it's just this the x3d combined with the non-x variants of all their c all the c well all the models that they put out for those i just Top to bottom makes the Raptor Lake stack look stupid. And I think kind of, I'm not sure if it quite does yet, but it kind of puts the nail on the coffin for like the 5800X3D as well, in my opinion. Although mm. platform well, costs, I guess, is still probably lower. You know, so, yeah. so I, 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 the 5800X3D is for people who don't want to buy a new system. That is yeah. what it's there for, and it remains only really for those people. Yeah, Raptor Lake looked decent up against uh a uh zen 4 for a while but it's just not there anymore (laughs) well 
Uh, those prices are dropping too. We'll get to in the next story. The only other thing I wanted to bring up about this is just keep this in mind. Zen 4 X3D, just like the i9-13900 Chaos technically right now, is there for people that want the best gaming performance and will pay extra for it now. I remember a lot of people I talked to last fall weren't sure if they should wait for the X3D Zen 4 or just build now looking for a deal. And then a lot of people just chose to build now once they saw the Micro Center deal for like, you know, 32 gigabytes of free RAM. And, and the deciding factor they made is, well, okay, I can wait for Zen 4 X3D in the first half of next year. But then by the time that's out, won't it just be like one year from Zen 5? And then mm-hmm. once that's out, will I not just be waiting for the next thing after that, like Arrow Lake or something? Like I can continue to wait to build my system or not. But at the end of the day, the 7700X with RAM, it's going to destroy every game at 200 hertz anyways. Like what am I waiting for that won't be better a year after that? Um, the funny thing is that for the people that did wait for Zen 4 X3D, I do have to point out that CPUs do keep getting cheaper though. And you don't have to buy this. Like if you think the 7800X3D is expensive at 450, okay, well right now at Micro Center, I think you can get the 7700X for like 300 bucks with free RAM. (laughs) So (laughs) just remember that even though you could have built sooner, these mm-hmm. other products still crush 240 hertz gaming, and now they're cheaper. You don't have yeah. to get the best gaming performance that is kind of just there to create coil wine right now, from what I can tell. Well, yeah. It, it, once again, I think a, a lot of the uh, benefits you get from having a higher core count CPU is hard to actually capture in like a, a review for uh, uh, for in a CPU review because at the end of the day, what they're showing you is performance in 1080p which i don't think most people are really doing when they're buying these cpus these days like maybe if you're getting a 7600x or something you're still buying uh i mean you're still gaming in 1080p but i don't think there are many people getting like 7800x3ds or 7900xs that are gaming below 1440p um i think the benefits you get is you just have a generally quicker system <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's harder to capture in a, in a quantifiable way i think unless you wanted to do some like productivity benchmark or devise some productivity benchmark that isn't that's actually capturing like how much faster your system as a whole is and how um, it feels you mean yeah which i i don't know how you would do that in a systematic way but well, there's there's ways to but it's even if you do it it's hard to communicate that you really should be paying attention to this because I think people go and they look at CPU reviews, Dan, and they're just like, what game do I play? What yeah, apps I do I use? And they just ignore the snappiness benchmark. You maybe put big neon lights around <laughs> anyways because they're scrolling to the thing and don't realize maybe they should look at this too. And, and you're kind of getting to like, you went from a 2700X to a 5900X and you can tell the snappiness difference, you said. Yeah, it's just the system just works better now it loads everything faster and and it's not so, like your cpu is at 100 percent usage all the time before yeah and, and sometimes i mean in games obviously compared to the 2700x i'm getting way better frame rates in a ton of games because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i was definitely cpu bound in some games but generally speaking it's like if you have a a high performing gpu it, 
what what you're really meant you're going to be mo- gpu bound most of the time anyways except like in a few scenarios where you have like a 4090 you might mm-hmm. get some get bcpu bound in 4k in some games but um generally speaking it's just these cpus like yeah you don't need to buy the most expensive part because what they're capturing in reviews a lot of the time i think is a little bit it, it, it what they're capturing in cpu reviews is i more of a proxy for the possible proxy for like the increase in how how good well your system performs but it's just not that realistic of a scenario that i'm buying a 7950x3d with a 4090 and playing that in 1080p (laughs) yeah that's what you're saying yeah um yeah i want to get to this reader mail here qh freddy writes in and says why do you think amd in particular is so eager to make their launch day coverage look bad with inflated msrps when they let the price of their products drift down within months um i thought this was an interesting thing to point out because we're going to get to it in the uh next story i mean intel's dealing with some price drops on a lot of products as well right now uh given the current market conditions but it is just such an odd thing to me when we look at how good amd's margins are and like how much of that mostly just comes from server anyways like why on desktop do they let these products launch for prices that made absolutely no sense like the 7900x xt like the uh or it's or 7900 x at 550 like why not just start with it at 500 or something and the 7950x at 600 so you make a big splash get good day one reviews and and, and this is my argument i keep making get people to buy am5 before or after like even came out because they'll probably upgrade to zen 6 if you do that i mean why does amd keep doing this it feels like they do make these weird sloppy pricing segmentations and then prices drop and the if they they maybe they could have even held pricing higher long term if they started somewhere in the middle of where it is mm-hmm. now and where it started. Yeah. I I really can't say I can provide a good reason for why they're doing this. Cuz you agree maybe they would have higher pricing long term if they didn't start too high and then have to guess how low they need to go. I I mean I don't know do you think there's a chance they just don't know what their own things are worth and they're trying to and they're overshooting their value right now? Like that's they're, a possibility. they're overshooting what the market will pay for it. I would argue Zen 4 was maybe priced somewhat fairly. Doesn't matter. It seems like most people didn't want it. And even if it's priced fairly, there's a difference between pricing something fairly and pricing it somewhere where people care when they can already max out games with Alder Lake and Zen 3. Yeah, there's less... There's a, the, the message for why you want to get zen 4 or raptor lake is it's kind of lessened uh when you're already gaming at 4k like 120 fps in a lot or of games 70 with yeah. alder lake <laughs> yeah if you pair that with a strong gpu because like yeah in benchmarks we can like split hairs on like i mean on reviews we can like discuss if you're if a cpu is underpowered for reviewing a 4090 but at the end of the day, I think if somebody has like a twelve seven hundred or like a fifty eight hundred X on a, C- a CPU and a forty ninety, they're still going to be satisfied with their performance. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you might get ten frames per second higher or something at like one hundred forty hertz, but I don't think most people care about that. 
Yeah. Well, and and just to go back to what you said, yeah, I think AMD isn't sure what their products are worth. I think they thought they could get away with pricing the 7600X at $300 because it was kind of a 5800X 3D and mm-hmm. they had lower power consumption. They had the better platform and they had the same gaming performance as Intel. But now Intel was the one with better multi-threading and they thought, well, Intel was able to sell before in a situation where they had better gaming, but worse multi-threading for a higher price. And then they learned people just don't see AMD that way. So I think there's no way around it. AMD continues to massively over and undershoot the value of some of their products. And maybe they should put a little more thought into it. But I will say that it's clear some people could be hired that know how to do this because James Pryor, who came on the second time before RDNA 3 came out, said he would have priced the 7900 XT at 1000 and the 7800 XT at 800 based on the rough performance we were expecting. And AMD did 900 and 1000 and had <laughs> weird naming, and no one bought the weirdly named. Well, they're, you already, they're both really, no one bought the 7900 XT and 900. And it's just so funny how James was like, do it at 800. Call it the 7800 XT. Go buy it there. Hire James back, AMD. Or someone like him who seems to know what your products are actually, what what level people would actually pay for them. Because AMD, whatever's going on at AMD marketing right now, they don't seem to know what their products are worth. Yeah, I I mean, I'll say with Zen 4, the pricing didn't initially stick stand out to me as being particularly bad. I think we're just in a more skeptical market in general than mm-hmm. uh we usually are but like yeah rdna3 was really weirdly priced and i think everybody immediately saw that that wasn't amd <laughs> and it's actually a little bit weird to me them thinking that they, the 7900 xt would be the higher volume product at the prices they were at it, it, right. it just doesn't make sense to me because from what i'm hearing they're going to switch some of the yields you know they they removed ram to save like 40 bucks on the cost and they used a cheaper cooler and they tried to remove about 50 bucks in production cost and then use the slightly worse yields. But some of those 7,900 XTs didn't need to be, they could have left them more enabled and they would have worked as 7,900 XTXs. but they just actually thought people would buy it for $900. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, it's, but they're switching it back over from what I hear to, to have more supply in the, top side it's just goofy to me well, of course um, they should yeah <laughs> i mean duh. i mean they can't keep that one in stock um but yeah speaking of things that you can easily keep in stock let us move on to story number five arc a750 and raptor lake have prices are dropping so i have a little write up here uh in the past couple of weeks there have been several interesting developments in intel product pricing Number one, the i9-13900K is finally, it seems, in response to a resurgent to resurgent competition from Zen 4 pricing, is drifting more towards $520 across several retailers. Additionally, the i5-13600K is starting to fall close to 7600X pricing occasionally. Not always, it's usually around $300. Bucks. But I think I saw at Micro Center, it was the same price, like $250 or lower. And the A750 is now officially $250 
and has received a boost in performance from drivers on average. Indeed, it seems retailers, if not Intel, are willing to sell Raptor Lake products at cost to keep them moving after a plummet in sales in January, as reported by Moore's Laws did last month. And the A750 is attempting to finally get liquidated at cost as well directly by Intel. Make no mistake about it, though. The A750 for $250 is being sold at cost. Consider that it has a 3070 Ti size die that is using a more expensive 6 nanometer node, not 8 nanometer. And even yet, some retailers, as seen on Twitter, are selling the card for $150 with tax included. So what do you think, Dan? I mean, the i9 is getting to a price where I'd consider recommending it over some Zen 4 stuff. The i5, I would say at $230, is getting pretty interesting for me again. Yeah, that's true. For the first time, really. Uh, Before, I would just argue get an i7 or get a 7600X. Um, And the A750, they cannot sell it no matter what until it basically becomes the price of an RX 6500. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I think the pricing for the CPU is, I think, at the lower price point. It's now more debatable, I guess, with the uh, like 7600 uh, versus the i5. Although I think the i5 still probably, I mean, the 7600 would still probably went out. Um, I don't know. Well, it depends where you're looking, right? Here's the thing. If I go to Newegg, the i5, I believe, uh, do I have it pulled up here? Let me see. That on Newegg is $310. Meanwhile, the R5 7600 on Newegg is $230 with Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, look, you're paying 80 extra dollars for the i5. If you're mostly gaming, I would go for the Ryzen, especially because it comes with a cooler. Now, at Micro Center, it's a different situation. At Micro Center, the i5 seems to be the same cost as the 7600X or something. But the 7600X comes with 16 gigabytes of RAM for free. So, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, at this point, uh, Micro Center, it's just if you live near a Micro Center, buy the CPU that comes with RAM because they keep doing that, I guess. They just keep doing it. But yeah, I, I would suggest you're seeing Intel's pricing get closer to where it's competitive. But yeah, I guess you're right, Dan. You you said you're not sure. I guess if I'm choosing between an i5 at Micro Center for like two, let me yeah, let me see this. If I'm yeah, if I'm choosing between an i5 at Micro Center that is two like yeah, it's two fifty. Or I'm choosing between a 7600X that is $243. I guess it's $7 cheaper and it comes with 16 gigabytes of RAM. (sighs) If I'm doing a lot of creator stuff, I would choose the i5. But at the end of the day, you're basically getting the CPU for like 150 or like 200 instead of like, you know, whatever. So if you're doing predominantly gaming, I think AMD still is an argument there. I, yeah, I, and and seeing no deal like insane deals, I would just suggest retailers are not Intel. Retailers are deciding to sell Raptor like at cost to start moving them because again, I can't. I have to say this again, guys. I leaked this from what I heard not last quarter. There's a difference, but in January, Raptor like sales have fallen apart this year. Yeah, I, well, the only problem is if they can't go lower than this, it's bad i mean i guess the 13 right this is the lowest they can go i'm pretty confident i, I guess the i5 eh, it, it's 
I, I guess it's a better product than AMD's lowest uh, lowest end product still, but uh, the the seventy six hundred, like you say, I think is worth getting over it if you're doing gaming. But the i five, to be fair, is a pretty good. I don't Much know better multi threading. A uh, uh, poor man's productivity CPU. Like mm-hmm. if you can't go for the more expensive crap stuff, like eh, three hundred thirty to three three hundred to three hundred thirty bucks for a pretty damn good multi threading CPU isn't. <laughs> is a a nice thing to have on the market. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess I guess yeah, I expected to come here in here and say I recommend these Raptor Lake things, but now that I'm looking at literally same store, same pricing comparisons, I think I'm still where I'm like eh, lean towards Zen Four if you're gaming. In certain scenarios, I lean towards Raptor Lake. Um, yeah, and. But when you move to graphics cards, what do you think about the uh, A750 being $250? I mean, I think that puts it decent price performance compared to what's on the market for the same price from like AMD. But once again, it's going to be a while before I could want to consider recommending any ARC GPU just because... It's seen, based on uh, your testing of it, it still has driver issues, uh, pretty significant driver issues. Yeah, it does. You know, I I don't know if I will do a video on this, but I finished my testing with the newest drivers comparing a RX 6700 to the A770, which is the actual comparison Intel. The 3060 is a hilarious choice, a card that's always been over MSRP and is the Best case scenario as a comparison. No, if you were to, I mean, and then consider this like used 3060 Ti's for 300 bucks, but let's take that back. There's new A6700s uh, for 320. This is $30 cheaper than the A770. And from what I found in 4K, it's a tie in 1080p. The A770 loses by an absurd margin in some games. Like, it really depends on the games you're testing, but there were some where like it, it was like really bad <laughs> performance <laughs> for the Intel one, still showing some limitations there um, at higher frame rates. And I came to the conclusion that like the A770 is like an okay 4K60 card at this point after the latest driver updates. Okay, 4K60. But if you're doing any high refresh rate gaming, it just doesn't. It it can't do it consistently. There's some yeah. limitation there. And there were games that I ran into like Battlefield 2042 where like the performance was awful. Like I wrote down, I'd rather have that eight gigabyte 6500 XT I tested than this piece of crap. <laughs> and, you know, like the like there are issues. And I looked it up, this is a common issue. Like I can't open the Intel Arc driver control <laughs> panel. Like, and I saw guides online on how to fix it. And I said, you know, I've tried a little bit. This is stupid. When I put in an AMD or an NVIDIA card, it works. Panel works. I don't have an issue. And at the end of the day, it's more expensive than the same performance card, the 6700. And the A750 is the same performance as an RX 6600, depending on the resolution. And it's more expensive than an RX 6600. And it's the same amount of RAM. So I just cannot find this argument for where these things make sense. And if anyone, you know, because I see these insane like arc simps in the comments. Yeah. I don't know where the heck these people are coming from. But like, guys, if you think everyone's crazy for not buying arc, 
Tell me why in Japan they're selling it for $150 after tax <laughs> in bulk. It's because 90% of people realize it's a dumb fucking buy. Okay? It is a dumb buy to get something that's the same performance as a cheaper AMD or NVIDIA card, by the way, depending on which one you're talking about, that has constant issues and you'll get the occasional game where you get half the frame rate. Yeah, it's just like on average price performance for... Well, no, I don't think price performance. On average... At two hundred fifty dollars, the A seven fifty is a little better performance than the sixty six hundred, and a little bit higher pricing. And then if you but just in fourteen forty p, not ten eighty p. Yeah, they're the same in ten eighty p. Right, and these are not high end cards, so it, it, it's just <laughs> what are you going to buy? Are you going to buy the same price performance essentially? Spend a little while well, spending a little bit more money, and then just sometimes that card just doesn't work or are you going to take the slightly lower price and dollar your monthly budget the slightly lower price for slightly worse performance and it works consistently in games i i I think and this is before we talk about power consumption which does matter to some a lot of people right now and like one of them's using 50% more energy. Intel is. And in my testing, yeah, an idle is like using double the energy of my 4090 sometimes. And there's fixes out there and like BIOS updates they recommended. I'm not doing any of this crap when I don't need to, but I just get AMD or NVIDIA. And uh, in rendering, it seemed to work okay, but uh, in my apps, but then it crashed a lot while exporting a video. And I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> you know how infuriating that is if I'm like trying to get a video out at like 9 p.m. at night, but while I'm making dinner, I go upstairs to see how it's going and it didn't finish. I have to start over. Like I'm not, it's not reliable. I'm not getting it. And it used, by the way, while exporting a video, way more energy than my AMD and NVIDIA cards for some reason. Oh, interesting. It, it just in my apps, it's not comprehensive, but I just think yeah. this energy consumption of being all over the place thing is worth pointing out. Yeah, I mean, that's been a big story with uh, RDNA 4 is it's got RDNA kind 3. Of, uh, yeah, sorry. RDNA 3 that it has kind of bad. Uh, we had an exclusive leak here, Dan. Jeez, oh, go on. Yeah. RDNA 4 is out right now. <laughs> it, it, that's been a pretty big story with RDNA 3 that their idle power usage is not good and it's worth writing about that. But I don't know. It kind of seems like people are giving Intel or the people that love this Intel card, They're they're really having to stretch the limits uh, of reasonableness to to conclude that this isn't a bad card it's like yeah sure it has terrible price well finally not terrible price performance sure it has okay price performance it doesn't perform consistently and it uses more energy than its competitors for no reason but it's their first try so it's good i guess right and there's just no way around it same performance as competing new AMD cards, more power usage, inconsistent performance that's not reliable. You're paying more for less. Yeah. You're not supporting the underdog. You're supporting the biggest company. You're not <laughs> saving money. You're paying more than better cards, guys. There's a reason they are starting to fire sale these below cost at some retailers because they got to get rid of them. No one wants them. Mm-hmm. And if 100 people look at this product and say, yeah, this is a piece of shit, and then you look at it and you're like, oh, I think it's worth using 50% more energy for 5% better performance at some resolutions and I can't play Halo, 
I don't think that makes you smarter than the other 100 people, guys. And whoever's <laughs> telling you to buy this, I don't know what's gotten into some people. You know? Yeah. <laughs> All Jesse wants for Valentine's Day is to get a hold of one of them geese and maybe get some extra naps in. But if you're a gamer like me and you're building a new PC, you probably just want reasonably priced Microsoft keys. And if so, go to cdkeyoffer.com this Valentine's Day. This piece of content is brought to you by cdkeyoffer.com. There's just no reason to pay exorbitant monopolistic prices for Microsoft Office or Microsoft operating systems anymore. Not when you have someone like cdkeyoffer.com who's been a fantastic sponsor of Moore's Law is Dead for many years now. If you're looking for anything from Steam games, Origin games, Uplay games, or PlayStation keys, or reasonably priced Microsoft software, go to cdkeyoffer.com today, click the links in the description, and use the offer codes BROKENSILICON for 25% off Microsoft keys and die shrink for 3% off everything else on the website. Don't be like Jesse here, who's chewing on my chair right now. Be smart, don't overpay for online software, and go to cdkeyoffer.com today. Um, all right, let us then move on to the final story. Uh, story number six, Meteor Lake desktop possibly canceled Intel Sierra Forest 288 core and Granite Rapids downgraded. On February 10th, Moore's Law Z had a few big updates to upcoming Intel releases. First of all, Sierra Forest, an all-e-core server architecture that shares sockets with Granite Rapids, SP, and AP, depending on which core count model you're talking about, will now be limited to either 144 cores for the SP socket or 288 cores uh, for the AP socket to avoid delays for a key customer that wants to use an SP design with the 144 core Kyle, basically what I heard, guys, is that one of Intel's most important customers, one that if it left Intel, not only would it be a loss of a ton of yearly revenue, but other people would look at this customer and say, oh, well, they're leaving the sinking ship. We have to. Mm -hmm. They want the 144 core model that is one core tile, one, one 144 core tile and two IO tiles. Uh, and then any other design they were working on with Sierra Force that didn't use these tiles, they're axing to make sure it comes out on time early next year. Now, also, Granite Rapids may get downgraded from 86 cores on the uh, SP model and 128 cores on the AP model to just 80 and 128 cores. This is not a change in the design. This is not a change in what the tiles look like. This is just them possibly planning to disable it more on average mm -hmm. at first because they don't want there to be any chance that they have to change something because of yields. They want to announce what it is, when it's coming out, and not have to change anything. For all this stuff, that is where all these changes are coming from. Uh, oh, and I also updated Granite Rapids and Sierra Forest to use the same I.O. dies, and the I.O. dies don't have memory controllers on them. The memory controllers are on the core tiles. They mm -hmm. will disable or leave them enabled as they need to for the 8-channel eight, uh, eight SP socket or the 12-channel AP socket. And uh, yeah, you can just see how they're just axing anything that gets in the way of releasing their core products. Um, and that also goes for Meteor Lake, which I actually have a new quote I want to put on screen now. An OEM contact told me that as far as they are concerned, Meteor Lake is laptop only. This person told me that they'll let me know if anything changes in the future, but for now they are expecting to be using Raptor Lake for at least another year in desktop and probably even in the top end laptop 
models. That means, guys, you know, I leaked there was an 8 plus 16 Meteor Lake design. Then that got axed, and they were still working on a possible 6 plus 16 design. Then that got axed. There is an LGA 1851 platform that will be used by both, or hopefully will be used by both Meteor Lake and Arrow Lake. But they basically axed any of the high-end desktop models uh, for the high core count tile that would go into that. Mm-hmm. And it, so it sounds like if they launch a Meteor Lake desktop, uh, which I don't have final confirmation yet on um, if they've stopped that progress, but if they do, it will be just 6 plus 8, and it sounds like OEMs aren't going to support it anyways. It'll be like a do-it-yourself-only launch, which is kind of what happened with Raptor, uh, with Rocket Lake. Rocket Lake wasn't supported at some OEMs uh, almost at all. Mm. Uh, they just skipped it because they're like, why would why? we're not going from 10 to 8 cores for more power usage, guys. We'll just wait for Alder Lake. Um, that might happen with Meteor Lake with OEMs. And if it's coming to desktop, it sounds like it really will just be a 6 plus 8 i5 14600K with nothing else. And again, why? Same reason they made downgrade Granite Rapids core counts. Same reason they've downgraded Syria, Syria, Sierra Forest core counts. It's because... The mobile version of Meteor, like the 6 plus 8, is the one that matters. And any competing design issues, you know, they they just have to avoid them. Meteor Lake is for laptop, acts everything that isn't for that. Sierra Force is for these these specific customers, acts anything that could compete with that. And you're seeing Intel stop this process where they just make a million versions of everything and waste a ton of money. Um, And that's something I talked about in my leak where I showed the Ryzen IO die. Epic IO die, Ryzen, and then two t- forms of chiplets, the Zen 4 and Zen 4C. With these four dies they've designed, they made like 10 different products, and Intel needed six dies designed to make like, you know, nine or eight products. And <laughs> they just cannot afford to do this. Clearly, their design teams are stretched too thin, and it's inefficient uh, from a design cost and just release cadence perspective. So there we go, guys. That's all the updates. Um, on that leak that's actually quite a lot in here dan what did you think Uh, i i mean i think this just all speaks to the the continued downturn of intel i i mean i hope reverts at some point but the the fact of the matter is it just sounds like they can't focus on anything more than their core products and it seems like that at this point they're keeping their core businesses on life support more than anything, uh, rather than actually, you know, extend or past this generation, they're going to be, have all of their products on life support. Like if meteor, like only comes with what did you, six plus eight core, right? Mm-hmm. That's the top. Yeah. If that's all meteor, like can come out with, I, I almost just don't know if it should come out because that'll, just be embarrassing you mean on desktop on laptop it's still okay yeah on laptop it's fine but on desktop that's just kind of an embarrassing product and yeah they need to put out something for their server and i i guess that means axing half of the uh tiles that they were currently producing which you know i think goes back to what i said a, a couple weeks ago like if, if i could go back and be intel ceo for five years if I were Intel CEO five years earlier, doing what we do now would be accelerating the development of chiplets or tiles or whatever they want to call their version of chiplets because 
the fact that AMD is seemingly able to make more products with fewer uh, dies is crazy uh, and less money. Like th- there's just you, you saw that chart I made, right? Yeah. Like it's it's it, like I'll pull it up again and look at it myself here. It's crazy. Like AMD is, and this wasn't everything, but this is like in this example, AMD can take four, uh, four different chiplets and make nine different products, and Intel has six different chiplets and they have uh eight products they can't even compete in one segment they're just it's so expensive yeah i just don't know how you can beat i don't know how you can beat a product that is cheaper to research and design cheaper to and uh <laughs> can go into more products i i just don't know how you can make something make something that actually competes at that uh and they unless you just never focus the money which they don't anymore yeah which yeah that's how they kind of stayed in the game for the past five years but it's very clear to me that they're not they're not innovating like they need to be to get themselves out of this well i mean i would add on you know you saying they should have worked on chiplets sooner I think, Dan, what they should have done is understood the benefits of chiplets sooner because Mm -hmm. all uh, Intel seems to think, or at least a few years ago, thought chiplets were for was making a bigger thing that's less efficient than a monolithic design. That's all they seem to have thought AMD was doing. No, AMD actually now can only design four products, whereas you have to, or four dies, you have to design six dies. I know you have the money to do it, Intel, but if you had a system where you only had to design four, even though you have more resources, doesn't that mean you'd probably have less delays than AMD? Isn't yeah. that more important than just using chiplets as a crutch for more silicon on a device or so you can design two versions of a chiplet in case your node's not on time? That seems to be all they thought it was for, whereas AMD seemed to understand fundamentally, no, this just allows us to hit milestones more efficiently because we got to design less stuff. I mean, that's pretty clear. Like if you, what was the first, uh, chiplet, I mean, tile design Intel announced it was Pontevecchio, right? Uh, Lakefield. Lakefield. Okay. Oh, but I don't know how much that counts because they barely did much uh, with it. And th- they, they've separated the PCH from the core CPU uh-huh. before and mobile before, you know, so th- there's that. But, but again, it was mostly about just like, it, it didn't seem to always be about saving money everywhere you can. It was just oh, it makes sense to separate it this time. It wasn't, mm-hmm. how do we make everything share one design more? Okay. It, it, it's just when I look at Intel, that that was, I think, their big, like, uh, exciting announcement about a tile design. And all it was is, it's literally impossible to make this piece of silicon uh, piece without of silicon. a tile yeah, without this tile design, because I, I don't know how much it blows past the radical limit. Uh, I'm assuming a lot, <laughs> but it, it's still nowhere to be seen, really. And I think that's kind of speaks well to what Intel has been doing lately. It's just, yeah, we don't know what you guys are doing. Um, you make these giant, your best idea for tiles is giant inefficient chips that don't seemingly come out. Yeah. Well, and, you know, Pontevecchio versus MI300 is such a good comparison as well. Mm-hmm. Like, MI, uh, Pontevecchio was announced wa- long before MI300. 
Uh, and if you look at it, it what I forgot if it's, I thought I think they said it was like 47 different chiplets or something. And like they used t- like several different nodes and they had to design just for this, like four or five different things. AMD had to design a base tile, a mirrored version of the same base tile to make four base tiles for MI300 and then a compute tile that goes on top. That's it. Arguably three. And then they even just reused Zen four chiplets. Meanwhile, Intel for Pontevecchio is designing all this crap and they announced it first and it has, it, it's worse. It actually mm-hmm. is base. It's actually not having any advantage in when it's releasing compared to MI 300 appreciably because AMD's is so much simpler that they were able to just get it out around the same time. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's bad. <laughs> I don't, I, I really don't know what else to add to it. It's just, Every story that coming that comes out of Intel just speaks to the fact that they're, I don't know, it seems like a big lumbering company that can't get out of its old ways. And it seemed like a Pat Gelsinger would be a positive change for a while, but I don't know. It's it's not going well. The, the proof is not in the pudding just yet, despite yes. him arguing it is. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what, that's what I would think, too. The only other things I'd say is like, yeah, I mean, I hope they do a Meteor Lake 6 plus 8 desktop release, kind of, just because at least then they could get LGA 1851 out like half a year to a year before Arrow Lake, so their motherboard costs are maybe down so that they don't need to worry about a big, expensive new platform. Maybe they'll at least have mid-range builds out by the time Arrow Lake's ready. That might be helpful, um, and at least then they'd have something to fight like the 7800X3D, because if they don't launch that, I know they the, the rumor is that there's Raptor Lake refresh is coming out, and indeed, in this you know podcast, I'm confirming that 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 is happening. But we still don't know what that really means. I mean, they've already launched the 13900 KS. I guess they can wait for 10 nanometer yields to improve more. They're already pretty mature, though. Like I, I don't know how much better a Raptor Lake refresh can be. It almost feels like the level of performance you're seeing now for Raptor Lake that might be all Intel has for another year and a half. I don't see that as boding very well. Not certainly not in laptop because it sounds like the you know extreme laptop CPUs may stay Raptor like with meter like below them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, no comment besides no. <laughs> not good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I just don't know what to say at a certain point past like yeah they're consistently not they're they're consistently bad at this point. It seems like well. I shouldn't say the, their future can, seems consistently bad at this point because I, I, I don't think I don't think what Intel has had in the past couple of years has necessarily been terrible. But it, no, not it, all the time. No, not at all. Tiger Lake was good. Alder Lake was good. Raptor Lake's good. The problem is those all of their current product releases. They it feels like they're bailing water out of a sinking boat and. It's not well. It's not sinking yet because they're bailing the water fast out fast enough still. But they. But it feels like they're bailing. Yeah, they they need to get mm-hmm. out of that mode, and at a certain point, they're going to start failing more, which is what it sounds. Yeah, that's like such an interesting analogy. It like Intel's felt kind of like a sinking ship since like Rocket Lake, and the only thing that's happened isn't necessarily that they've plug the holes the alder lake was just a really big bucket for a year yeah but the holes are still there these need to be plugged and we're not sure they have been yeah that's that's i like that analogy a lot um yeah the only other thing i'd say is 
just keep in mind, guys, there's some some people think I'm so negative about Intel, but I don't know. I'm the only one leaking stuff about Granite Rapids and Sierra Forest and on YouTube from what I can tell. So like, it's because I want them to succeed. And so far, the stuff I said about Alder Lake IPC turned out true. The delays, all the things with Alchemist true. AXG's dead. Didn't launch in quarter one. Their future for graphics looks incredibly dubious. You know, keep in mind that like my opinion isn't the pessimistic one because I think people think it is. There are contacts of mine that think Sierra Forest may not launch till the second half of next year. Mm-hmm. And I told these contacts, if that happens, Intel will, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. They're going to lose some of their biggest customers. Um, you know, and Grant, some people think Granite Rapids won't really launch until late next year. And it's just, I hope not, because when I look at, you know, 288 core Sierra Forest, that's 288 core. They're all little cores. Um, I'm not ready to confirm anything about the exact performance of them quite yet. I've, I've w- said what I've heard, but I, I, I'm not going to say exactly yet. But, you know, that means a lot weaker than Zen 4 cores. They don't have hyper-threading. So that's 288 non-hyper-threading little cores versus, forget Zen 5, 256 Zen 4C threads in Bergamo. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I, exactly. It's like... If it doesn't come out in the beginning of next year, I think it will probably beat Bergamo at the things it needs to, but... The fact that it's even up for debate, it just feels like Sapphire Rapids all over again, where it's like, I guess it's better than Milan, kind of, but isn't it really going to be competing with Zen 4, you know? Yeah, when you're you're comparing it to things that came out a year and a half ago, which Raptor Lake is the first first thing in a while, I feel like uh, Intel hasn't had been comparing to things from a year and a half ago. It's really not that all that impressive <laughs> you know yeah i mean uh, let me move on to some reader mails here andy 1299 writes in and says this piece of mail was sparked by a pat commenting that intel 4 is manufacturing ready manufacturing ready is a technical term and i don't know if most people understand that usually a technology group will design a process run test chips through it usually we are talking hundreds of them until they get sufficiently acceptable yields to report between 70 to 95%, depending on what you're making. Once you have achieved certain metrics, you then pass through the stage gates and the technology group will declare manufacturing ready. Then the manufacturing group will take your process and run it at scale. You go from testing hundreds to making tens of thousands to millions, depending on the industry. Now, this is where the fun starts. In a good company with good culture, the technology group designs the process with an ear to it working in a high-volume environment. Both manufacturing and technology work together to achieve a shared outcome. However, in a bad culture, the technology group may only be concerned with looking good and therefore do anything to achieve stage gate success with no thought to if it's actually manufacturable. When that happens, it becomes a huge problem. Now you're trying to fix yield of volume, huge, which is hugely costly. Plus, you don't know where all the faults are. So every time you fix one issue, another one is discoverable. This is where the sudden surprise delays come from with multiple revisions at a lot of companies. And I'm just going to say this is for sure at least part of what happened with Intel 10 nanometer, probably even a little with their 14 nanometer products. The question then is, has this been solved? How's the volume run for Intel 4? All I can say is they are ahead of schedule uh, with 20 and 18 angstrom compared to where Intel 4 is now. 
and it is progressing far, 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 far better than 10 nanometer. But yeah, we're going to have to see how Meteor Lake does in half a year, aren't we? And <laughs> I'm not, I'm not the pessimistic Intel YouTube channel. I'm constantly told by half of my contacts I'm too optimistic that I was too optimistic about, I think Raptor Lake, I was dead on, same with Alder Lake, but you know, they'll say you're way too optimistic about their server stuff. You're way too optimistic Mm. about how well Alchemist could be, even though Intel was reporting internally that it would perform a certain way. A lot of people were doubtful. So just keep in mind, guys, when I say all these cuts are happening, and Sierra Forest may launch at the beginning of next year, it might not. And you got to watch my video and understand, if anything, I'm the optimistic one. And what this could mean, if you care about the future of Intel, if these things don't come out on time. And I like that Andy wrote in here, you know, giving us a look at, you know, once he explained this, like, yeah, that makes complete sense then why. Well, this it, is a constant cultural problem at Intel with like the AXG group reporting, just basically lying about how well Alchemist is going. You could see this happening with like the Foundry group to a certain extent where they're like, oh no, things are great, but they didn't check how manufacturable it was. And then another team comes in, they're like, 10 nanometers not ready. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it speaks like a, to... If these teams are in self-preservation mode over, you know, trying to actually advance the goals of the company, they're going to sometimes, you know, it happens where people not necessarily cook the books, I guess, but, you know, portray it in a far better light than they need to, to, you know, meet their end of the goal and say, hey. Our, uh, washed our hands of this. We we made it manufacturable. Now you need to scale it up, which maybe in the back of their minds, they know it's not manufacturable at scale. Or they didn't really test if it was. They just knew the metrics they had to hit to look good and didn't actually worry about what the other team was going to look at. You know, yeah. Again, going back to an analogy we, we used here, they aren't really concerned with making everyone else's work bailing out the boat well go well they're like just make sure it looks like we have the biggest bucket mm-hmm. <laughs> um tmc payton writes in and says howdy what do you know about the motherboards for intel's fishhawk falls platform i'm concerned i'm concerned that it could be similar to the w3175x where there's only three motherboards to choose from and they each cost a thousand dollars or more in extremely low volume thanks so i did actually reach out to someone at intel before we recorded this person told me there's no reason that the 24 core Fishhawk Falls platform that will then get a 34 core upgrade, mm-hmm. I think, at the end of this year, supposedly. There's no reason those motherboards need to be more than Threadripper. So I think, yeah, you're looking at like 400 to $600 because I don't remember how many off the top of my head. It's like, I think it's like 64 up to 64 PCIe lanes of 5.0. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to cost more guys than X670. Uh, because it has is insanely more IO, but they don't think that thing's going to cost a thousand. Now the Sapphire Rapids version, uh, that I mean the tiled one that's like fifty six cores. Uh, I mean I don't know, guys. Yeah, that might be one thousand dollar motherboard. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, well, those are I mean those are targeting and, completely different sectors of the market. Workstation, though, right? yeah, yeah. So high end workstation too. So I. Uh, I don't know. I think the 24 core Fishhawk Falls, I'm more concerned about how expensive those monolithic dies are going to be, especially the 34 core that pushes the limits of Intel's 10 nanometer reticle. Like that, I'm worried about that chip costing. Yeah, like (laughs) for 34 cores. That's what I'm worried about. 
Uh, but I don't see why the motherboard needs to be more than a thousand. It, it's going to be pretty good, but I don't think it's to cost that much. No promises, though, of course. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Brett Summers writes in and he says, Hello, Thomas-san. When you talk to your Intel contacts, what is the architecture from a consumer desktop laptop point of view that they seem most hopeful about? Is it Meteor Lake, Arrow Lake, Panther Lake? Is it something beyond those? Everything has been so doom and gloom and tempering expectations lately, talking about layoffs for Intel. I suspect this would negatively affect morale at Intel. What design do they seem most hopeful about launching that they think will get them back into the limelight? Um... Well, Granite Rapids is one they know has to be good. Same with Sierra Forest. So I don't know if that one's the one they're the most optimistic about, but they know it has to be good. And so far, Granite Rapids, at least, is going great. Otherwise, I'd say they're actually pretty dang excited about Meteor Lake in the same way they were about Tiger Lake. I hear a lot of enthusiasm for Arrow Lake, Panther Lake. Honestly, all of their upcoming stuff, especially like in the core divisions, Mm -hmm. they're excited. They're excited about everything. They just hope they don't fuck it up. I will say there's zero enthusiasm for Arc. I no one is expect expecting Arc to succeed. And, and like I'm not like guys. This is what they tell me: take it or leave it. I really don't care. But if you're watching this, I hope you respect my opinion at least a little. No one at Intel is optimistic for Arc. Otherwise, they're optimistic for everything else. They just wish they were more on schedule. Yeah, and you know, meteor like like. If viewed as a replacement to Tiger Lake, which is what it sounds like it is, Meteor Lake sounds pretty good. But yeah, not much more than that. And I think they'll just be stuck selling Raptor Lake for longer on desktop than they want to. And actually, I'm not sure. eh, They could probably move all entirely to Meteor Lake on on uh, laptop. But I think they still might need to maintain some Raptor-like presence. I think they're still going to need to use that 24-core for the top laptop models. Yeah, I, I, there's you really can't it, replace it, that. It, I mean, look, it, it might be a funny situation, just like we kind of saw with Tiger Lake. Eventually, this changed because eventually Intel had 8-core Tiger Lake models. But there was this while where they had these quad-core Tiger Lakes and you had to choose, be- and Ice Lakes, by the way, and you had to choose between that or like a six or eight core 14 nanometer chip. I think we're going to see that again. We're like, actually, the six plus eight meteor like can game a lot better than Raptor Lake, mm-hmm. but it's typically a tie. But the meteor lake's using half the energy and Raptor Lake, you know, is sucking a ton of power. I think we could see a repeat of that, you know, because mm-hmm. I expect meteor like with Redwood Cove on Intel four, you have a regression in clock speed. I don't know how low it's going to get. But it could still be around 5 gigahertz, but a decent IPC increase over Raptor Lake. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to be probably looking at like 35 watt rap, uh, Meteor Lake chips that compete with 95 watt <laughs> Raptor Lake chips in gaming. But the Raptor Lake chips have more cores. Mm-hmm. So um, if you want multi-threading, there's that. All right, let us then move on to the wrap up here. These are the stories that we didn't think should get a full story, but uh, require an honorable mention at least. Uh, Rocket Lake is end of life, Dan. I just thought uh, we usually mention it when something's end of life. <laughs> it's just so funny how much they're still trying to get rid of these at micro centers. I hear, by the way, like in it's God, it's a. A little bit of a surprise to me that Rocket Lake isn't already end of life. 
And, and you know, Alder Lake was just so much better than Rocket Lake. I remember these discussions because, like, I think Micro Center was like giving away a free motherboard with an i7 11700K mm-hmm. like a year ago or something. And you go, okay, well, that's eight cores, 16 threads. It has PCIe 4.0 support. It's not the worst product, but then you look at its price, and the I think the i7 was still like 200 to 300 bucks. And I go, no, no, get the Alder Lake i5 and just buy a $150 motherboard. I want pay the extra hundred bucks for six plus four instead of just eight big 14 nanometer cores. No. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I guess there was a while where like the oh I, what was it? So the the, I5 the 11 okay. 400 at, at the like 11 400 F, if I'm remembering the name. And correctly. the 11600K was okay at the right yeah. price. Though I thought those were still decent for a while, I suppose, but yeah, Rocket Lake was Rocket Lake was, uh, came out dead. So <laughs> yeah, um, let's see. Meteor Lake rumored to double GPU performance over Tiger Lake graphics. Now I haven't really put much thought into uh, Meteor Lake's integrated graphics performance, um, but you know, I think based on what I've seen, yeah, this this rumor seems correct to me. But I, I just want to point this out here. People are talking about how it's doubling performance over the 96 execution unit Alder Lake slash Raptor Lake. Keep in mind, just like with 14 nanometer, where they use basically Skylake integrated graphics for Skylake, Whiskey Lake, Comet Lake, and it just kept going on and on. Tiger Lake, Alder Lake, Raptor Lake all use the same integrated graphics effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, doubling graphics, integrated graphics from what, 2020 with Tiger Lake? It's not that big of a deal, guys. That would make you, I think the Tiger Lake was around MX350 performance. So yeah, you're looking at, and that was a 64-bit GTX 1050. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We're doubling that? Okay, I mean, look, guys, I think you're looking at something between a 1050 Ti and a 1650 Max-Q, which would put it edging out Rembrandt, but probably losing to Phoenix by a bit. Yeah, next I year, mean, coming out a year after Phoenix or half a year after Phoenix is already out. It's not bad. The, the only thing this makes me excited about is you're getting like like Xbox, almost Xbox Series S integrated. It's not as good though because it's in the mobile. So I don't, you're getting better. Yeah, you're, you're, you're getting 1080p doable performance as a baseline. I'm excited because that becomes a baseline. Just everyone can play games now on their laptop. But this isn't particularly impressive compared to anything reasonable that's around it. Yeah, it's if um, if they manage to get it to like I, I don't know sixteen sixty level performance, that would be pretty cool. Uh, but it, yeah, and, and I everybody think that's being, something we'll be lucky to see Phoenix even get to on desktop at high TDPs. Which yeah, probably won't even quite hit that. So it, it, having a, a baseline of pretty much every laptop being able to do 900 i would say 900p to 1080p gaming is nice though <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah um and a cpu will certainly be overkill for its integrated graphics <laughs> yes um mendocino the four core zen 2 i believe two compute unit ultra budget apu is appearing in lap in like 400 dollar laptops mm-hmm. I, yeah. I just thought we had to mention you know thing actually came out this little tiny apu yep amd pair it 
with an uh Navi 24, man. Come on. <laughs> Pair it with a 6500 XT and a $600 laptop. Do we'll it. S- we'll see if it happens. It could. I don't think it will. Probably. Um, let's see. So with every I feel like am I wrong? Every half year some Chinese graphics card company announces they're making a graphics card and I I can never find benchmarks for them. We found one. This uh the S80 is benchmarked and where does this thing perf- it what it's is a third it? it's a third uh, of a A770. I, I mean yeah, so what is that like 570 per I don't even know if it's that, you know? Yeah. Let me see. Where, where, where would that land it? Not impressive. I yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty big graphics card. What kind of... I'm trying to see. Where's the pins on this thing? No, it seems to require like at least an 8-pin or something. I don't know. It's not very impressive. No. I guess you can play Crisis with it according to that tweet, though. I guess Intel can certainly say that they made a better graphics card than anyone besides AMD and NVIDIA and maybe ARM so far. Good job. And Apple. And you're after AMD, NVIDIA, Apple, ARM. I don't know. You're better than companies we've never heard of, I guess. So maybe some boutique company that we don't know anything about because if you like, I'm sure it's better than VIA. <laughs> yeah. Um let's see. Uh General Motors signs an agreement with Global Foundries for exclusive production lines in upstate New York. I don't know. I just thought this was a notable mention here. Like Global Foundries may have bowed out from trying to make the most cutting edge nodes, but their new like true 12 nanometer uh yeah, I don't see why you need anything better than what what's really a 10 nanometer competitor uh for cars and you know, oh, you got to wonder why some of these car companies were like competing with the most in demand nodes for absolutely no reason. Like why uh, Navi, Navi, was it Navi 21 was going into uh, uh, Tesla's? Navi 23. Navi 20. Okay. It was Navi 23, not 21 at least. <laughs> or I think maybe they're changing it to something else now. But yeah, no, I think it's still Navi 23. So yeah. Okay. Like I, I don't quite understand why Navi 23 was going into cars, but I guess they made that choice. Yeah. Um, and this is a fun one added last minute to the list. There's a rumor. I don't think it's confirmed, but there's a rumor, you know, we've heard, I think, what isn't it like in Europe, they may force everyone to use USB-C and not proprietary phone chargers. I think India also. And India. Yes, that sounds correct to me. It looks like Apple may still find a way to make USB-C cables proprietary by making it need to be Apple USB-C cables to work with their phones. I I, I I was excited to see that, yeah, it was India, that India and the EU were mandating USB-C because it's like, maybe we might finally have a single standard, but I don't know why I didn't foresee this. Of course, they would just make their own proprietary USB-C. Mm-hmm. Now, I was thinking about this, depending on how the laws are written. Yeah, I mean, Apple can just argue, oh, we're not wasting redundant manufacturing, redundant parts. We're using the same parts. This is what you want. But n- no, this does not cut down on people needing to buy a separate freaking cable for their iPhone, which was half of it. Yeah, yeah. It's It still solves half of the issue for e-waste, but not the other half. No, I... Uh... 
I, I just think it's funny that like Apple, Apple absolutely needs everything to be on their own, uh, <laughs> to be in their own uh, environment. You, you, you cannot buy a third party USB-C cable because then we would die. Yeah. All right. That is all of the wrap up. Now let us just get into some final rear mails to round out the episode. So PC Dog writes in and he says, Hey, Tom and Dan, Hardware Unbox recently did a 53 GPU comparison using the recently released Hogwarts Legacy. Dan's shaking his head at how crazy that is. Like a lot of work. (laughs) Yes. And he said in the analysis, they found that GPUs with less than 12 to 16 gigabytes of VRAM struggled in 4K Ultra, even with ray tracing turned off. How much longer do you think GPUs with less than 12 to 16, well, which one, 12 to 16 gigabytes of VRAM will be usable at 4K? Um, And I wrote down some notes for this. I actually did watch this, even though I don't really have any plans to get this game. And I don't think any of my PCs are going to have trouble running it. But I, I have a girlfriend and her sister that are interested in the game. So out of curiosity, after hearing that it doesn't run well, I was like, well, this 6700... Uh, run it well. Like if I wanted to get her a PC that can run this, like what would she need? And I, I actually may have somewhat of a hot take here. I don't think Hogwarts Legacy is a Dark Souls one PC port situation at all. Like it's not like impossible to run. I actually disagree. Turn off ray tracing and accept you're not going to do like 120 hertz gaming easily. But if you do, you can game as well as the consoles. Kind of it seems like to me. It's just, I will say that, yeah, I mean, look, it's clearly unoptimized, uh, and it's a cherry picker's dream. I, I watched all of the hardware unboxed video. Like, depending on which card you want me to make look good, I can do it. Like, <laughs> I can make the A770 look good if I don't show you that it was getting like 17 frames per second the one time it beat the competitors. Um, and I can make the 7900 XT beat the 4090, I think, by 20%, like in one resolution at one. At like what like extra high settings, so you know, I can make any of these cards look good. I, I would say we should not be. It's not the worst case scenario. I agree with what Wizard at Tech Power Up said. The game's good. You can play it. Just accept that you shouldn't turn on ray tracing and just set it to ultra. And if you're used to playing in 4K, set it to 1440p. If you're used to 1440p, you know maybe set it to 1080p. But also, a lot of these benchmarks didn't have DLSS. Or FSR turned on, so mm. no, yeah. So yeah, my my girlfriend's sister has a PC that I built her with a RX sixty seven hundred. She's playing on Ultra and fourteen forty p, I think, with like FSR on or something at sixty frames, and it's like, is that really the worst case scenario with a three hundred dollar graphics card? It it's not sound... optimized. It, it the performance is all over the place, but this is not Dark Souls one, guys. Well, you know? and having it, said that, no one should be looking at this for what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, it, it's. A poorly optimized game in general, I don't think, is the game you want to pick out for, like, well, what does the future look like? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure two years from now, 12 gigabytes might be an issue on some game or regularly, semi-regularly an issue on some games. But I don't think every game coming out this year is going to have a problem with 12 gigabytes. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm looking at um, tech power up here and Hogwarts Legacy with ray tracing disabled, which by most accounts, you absolutely should with this game. The 4090 gets 72 frames per second maxed out in 4K. Okay, it's not great. It is an expensive card, but turn on DLSS. Now, you are game. I could, I think, probably play this game at 4K 130 like I Mm -hmm. have been with most games. 
Um, and in 1440p, yeah, like 6700 XT gets 51 frames. So I bet she's getting like 45 turning on FSR and getting 60 frames in 1440p. It's not great. It's not optimized. But I don't think you can make the argument this game's unplayable. Would mm-hmm. you agree looking at these stats? Yeah. If you want to play this game, you'll be able to. Okay. Uh, having said that, though, I do want to say this. I don't really care about Hogwarts Legacy, guys. Um, <laughs> the, like, there have been people making this absurd argument that 10 gigabytes was a high-end amount of VRAM in 2020, and that allocation, not... Yeah, it I is know. not. 10 gigabytes was mid-range. Uh, I mean, in 2020, the 1080 Ti had 11 gigabytes in 2017. For $700. It's been six years since the 1080 Ti came out. It is now lower mid-range levels of VRAM. 12 gigabytes is not high-end. It wasn't high-end two years ago. Sure, shit isn't right now. Even if NVIDIA tried to convince you it was okay, the 3070 at 8 gigabytes of RAM for over $500, it wasn't enough. It was not just allocation. It was barely enough a few years ago, and now it's running out of steam. Yeah, I, I, mid-range, eh, maybe even, uh, at this point, yeah, mid-range is, like, should be 12 gigabytes, low, lo, the lower end of mid-range should be 8 gigabytes at this point, and 16 gigs yeah. is the beginning of high, ra- high end, I guess. Yeah, it's like, there's no way around progress is going to happen, even if NVIDIA tries to stagnate it, like, if you bought a 3080 for long-term 4K gaming, it only has 10 gigs of RAM. You're going to have to turn down settings. Even then, though, I would say, guys, you got this is a couple of years old. And it was it was always supposed to be $800 or less, arguably 700 because that was the MSRP. But of course, that was a fake MSRP. Um, like if you've spent like $1,400 on a scalped 3080, you've paid $1,400 for a high end card with mid range levels of VRAM. You're going to have to turn down settings moving forward in 4K. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. <laughs> I don't know. What to, the 4070 Ti, even if they try to sell it for up to like 900, well, up to more than that, but like $800 or more right now, it has low, uh, uh, it has mid-range levels of VRAM. And if you buy that, you should not be surprised you have to turn down settings. It is a less than 300 millimeter squared die with that uses like 200 something watts with only 12 gigs of RAM. You can call it high-end. It's not. It's mid-range. And mid-range cards need settings turned down every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so in other words, no, don't expect to get a 12-gigabyte card and max out 4K forever for the next two years. Don't. Yeah. Um, although, don't look at Hogwarts Legacy <laughs> <laughs> as an indicator of exactly where performance is going to go. Uh, QH Freddy writes in and says, Linus Tech Tips did 24 episodes of Intel Extreme Tech Upgrade as a sponsor video. And it seems Intel has pulled the plug on it and AMD has picked it up. More budget cuts? I mean, I'd say maybe, but also... Here's what I think. I don't think I'll ever be sponsored by these companies directly because they seem to hate me. Uh, or the marketing people do. The engineers don't. That's where the leaks come from. But the marketing people really don't seem to like me. But I would say... If I was Intel and I was sponsoring my channel for like a dedicated video and they just paid a ton for it, like I'm sure they paid mountains of money to Linus Tech Tips for that. I think it might be worth it to do it once or twice in a year 
What, 24 yeah. episodes? I don't Are know they getting really getting people to buy more Intel processors by having that happen every month? Because who's watching that and going, oh, yeah, they did another Linus Tech Tips video. I better get an Intel processor. At a certain point, I think you expose your brand to a market, this being the market advertised by Linus Tech Tips. Doing it 24 times in a row, I'm not sure what you're getting out of that. Yeah, and also, I mean, further budget cuts. Uh, maybe I'm underestimating how much it would I guess 24 videos is a lot from the biggest tech channel or one of the biggest tech channels. I'm not sure if they're the biggest, but I, I feel like that that's probably over. <laughs> I don't feel like that's where they would necessarily be like, we really need to tighten the, uh, our purse strings a little bit, uh, pull the Linus tech tips video. That's oh, where we're these videos, extreme tech upgrade where they built these insane systems. Oh, this is those videos. Are, uh, well, they're dedicated videos, Dan. I mean, I'll tell you, I think they probably paid Linus thirty to a hundred thousand dollars per video. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that doesn't. And I want to be clear: that's not because that's how much I'm getting, guys. But I, <laughs> I, I do know people who know them, and people who are channels that are pretty large, and they've opened up to me about how much they get paid for this type of thing. And yeah, like, a few, uh, a few million yeah. dollars isn't the in a like multi 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 billion dollar company isn't the biggest expense though that's all i'm saying i agree it isn't i will say i've heard their marketing teams are getting gutted right now so oh, i don't okay. know how much i think finally someone's taken out a pencil and looked across the spreadsheets and gone why am i using a pencil when i usually use a monitor and keyboard and then once they throw the pencil away they're going yeah i do we need to be giving them $100,000 a month, guys? Is this benefiting us on the 24th yeah. episode where you see Linus in a racing chair? Is that making people buy an i9? Probably not very many. Th th that's my thoughts. Is yeah. it part of budget cuts? I mean, it almost has to be, but... And they are probably paying Linus a lot of money for this based on what I've heard, uh, or, or at least what I've heard dedicated videos can cost on mm -hmm. channels with millions of subscribers. I guess I want to be clear. I'm not saying I literally heard Linus was paid that much for that video, but you know, it, it, at the same time, it's like, I, I honestly think it may be a waste of money. <laughs> <laughs> um, Beefish 36 writes in and says, hi, Tom and Dan or guest. What are you hearing about meteor Lake? Phoenix looks like it's following the Rembrandt path of being in low volume and difficult to get. Well, Phoenix isn't out yet. Phoenix launches in March. Beefish. I have to start correcting this here because it's starting to annoy me. People are like, why is Phoenix so hard? To it's not out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not following Rembrandt. We don't know yet. It's not out. But continue this question. And consumer laptops are one of the largest market segments. If reports of 2x graphics performance increase, which I'd be skeptical about prior to blah, blah, blah. But then until being very successful, pushing the evil lines could be clawback significant market share from AMD. Um... Oh, I see. So he's asking, do you think Meteor Lake can take market share back from AMD and laptop? Um, I mean, th those are... Evo is relatively big for uh, client, isn't it? Well, that is us. I mean, not client. Uh, it's relatively big for... Uh, not client. Uh, like business large-scale acquisitions. I guess, yeah. That, I, I think mean... that's what it's marketed towards. And like... I don't know if you can get an entire institution to buy like their meteor Lake Evo lineup. That is a lot of sales. Even if you don't us as the consumer don't necessarily see it. Oh, that's a good point. And that explains why they, maybe they don't care if they're going to keep using Raptor Lake and top end gaming laptops. Mm -hmm. They need to keep that 
part of client, OEM client and like big business clients find these contracts and maybe Meteor Lake can do that. I could. I mean, I, I don't think most people that are, you know, working in a cubicle need uh, 24 cores uh, on their on their work uh, system. Some do, but not that many. Yeah. Yeah, I guess what I would say is, um, nor am I hearing about Meteor Lake. Intel's excited about it, but I think it's too early to say if that's really going to be the thing to change something because Phoenix does what Meteor Lake will do now, in my opinion. Like, do Mm -hmm. you need 14 cores for a business PC? Eh, No, but do you need graphics good enough to run a few 4K displays when docked? Maybe. Phoenix already do that now. So uh, I don't know that Meteor Lake's really going to have better graphics than Phoenix either. Um, And and so I don't know. I don't think Meteor Lake's going to be the differentiating factor in laptop market share at this moment. I don't. Um, And before we are so sure what happens to AMD's laptop market share, Let's let them launch the dang things. I don't know. <laughs> Carbon Cry writes in, Counterpoint to QH Freddy's assertion presented in Broken Silicon 191 that AMD should let Intel bleed out in client and focus everything on server. For Intel, their client is subsidizing server right now. Has been for quarters. So why not let AMD hammer Intel in client and thus strangle them from the root? Strangle them from the root. Sounds like a German phrase. The Carbon Cry would use Czech phrase. Um, <laughs> translated into English. Uh, I, yeah, so I don't know. I, I, I think that's an interesting point though, of like, this was a whole discussion we had before, you know, damn, uh, last episode with like the server engineer, like the reason AMD's betting everything and mostly focused on having tons of products for server right now is if they get to 40 to 50% server laptop doesn't really matter mm-hmm. because of all the money they'll have coming in. But I don't know. Uh, Carbon Cry, the opposite of that. Well, you know, actually, this is where Intel's subsidizing server. I would say that's what they plan to do with Strix. And that they just see this as like the final year to really double down on server while Intel is clearly behind. But no, they're going to with Strix. Eventually, it becomes everything, and that's next year. Yeah, I think they would go after that market more aggressively eventually. I just think you go for server first because their architecture is really well-tuned to taking over server. And it's mm-hmm. a bigger market. Yeah. And yeah, or they can make sure they can market, launch all of these on time far easier than like, okay, now we're going to have a Strix family of laptops where we're going to have to design the laptop practically for OEMs. You know, it's kind of like do that once you're sure you can launch tons of products at the same time, which what we've seen recently, eh, there's been some delays out of AMD recently, uncharacteristically. So they're probably still trying to work towards becoming that company that can juggle mm-hmm. 10 plates at once. You know, let them juggle six plates before 10. <laughs> but Carbon Cry, to your point, I, I think that is what their plan is next year with Strix. I think that's when they're going to want to go for mobile market share, finally, strongly. Um, all right, well, that's everything, Dan. That's all the uh, stories, all the reader mails. Give any final thoughts? No. I can see you yawning there. I on it's camera. Not, it's not. It, it's impossible to avoid a yawn when it's. I'm not mad up. at you. No, I'm. I, I don't think so. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not chastising you for yawning. I'm just saying if we have an abbreviated wrap up here. I think that's fine. I'm getting tired too. Uh, I'm tired too, Dan. Okay? Yeah. So I like your dog in the background, though. And she's kind of going insane over there. But if you want to fund uh, food for this dog and food for me, 
maybe I can do some research into what the heck is wrong with my puppy who seems to be slowly doing the worm towards me. I don't know. Well, it's a, it's a stagnant worm more so. And now she, well, now she's stopped moving. Um, you know, support us on uh, YouTube, you know, subscribe, ring the bell button, like, share. Sharing matters so much. Go back and watch our other stuff if you missed it. There's been a huge, huge surge in new followers on the YouTube channel this month. Like tons of new people. Uh, I looked, it said like 75% aren't subscribed this month. So there is clearly a ton of interest from people jumping on onto our ship, if not off of Intel's ship this month. And, you know, I see you there watching. Don't forget to subscribe and don't forget to watch the other podcast episodes with like Wendell and Tech Yes City and Daniel Nenny, Dave Eggles 10, NX Gamer. He'll be coming on again soon. It's kind of a console recap episode. Don't miss all the great guests we've had on before. Also, support us on Patreon if you have an extra two, four dollars a month. I'm starting to put plans into if we can hit the next Patreon goal, having early releases of ad free video for you guys. Um, and I actually am talking to an editor about a new piece of content for patrons that would be a video piece mm. as well. But we need to get to the next Patreon goal to afford it, guys. So but have been <laughs> for a while. Please. I've seen that there's been like five or 600,000 followers of our content. Uh, not subscribed yet. They should be, I think. But watching us over the past month, get in here and get it all for you know be able to ask us questions guest questions get ad-free versions of it and allow us to afford hiring some people to put all the stuff you're watching now on the patreon ad-free you know i want to do that so we see you but we'd like to see you <laughs> more we'd like to see it's getting creepy we'd like to see more of you i don't like this i think we're yeah, gonna leave I don't it there think we should say that well, I think you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> and uh, I am clearly exhausted. So thanks for watching, everybody. Consider what I've just said. And uh, have a good week. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me. And I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Laws Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, it's not just me. Moore's Laws Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, renders being done by the industrial designer Jean-Philippe Clermont, and special assistance is also provided by Carmen Cry and Kerry Nosugad as well. Find all of our information at www.moreslawsdead.com on the about slash support page in the event you do want to hire me for consulting work, hire Gerard for audio work, hire Jean-Philippe for industrial design work, or you're interested in working with Carbon Cry or Kerry no Sugata as well. You can also find our long-term sponsors on that page if you want to show them some love for putting food on our tables. Or you can also mail us some love. You can send letters or hardware donations to the following address. Moore's Law is Dead, P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. Although, to be honest, the best way to show Moore's Law's Dead some love is to support us on Patreon. Patrons are what makes Moore's Law's Dead content truly 
possible. Every month and really every day, depending on who you're talking about, me, Gerard, Dan, and John Philippe are working tirelessly to provide a steady stream of content that we could not keep doing unless we knew the work was possible without being reliant on sponsors dictating every little thing we put out. Don't get us wrong. We love our sponsors, but we love directly working for you, our fans, much more. If you have any extra money, even a couple free dollars a month, consider supporting us directly on Patreon. Those couple of monthly dollars will get you access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to ask guests questions, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord full of like-minded people who I am sure would love to meet you. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to early, ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the ability to ask questions in all Broken Silicon episodes and Loose Ends live streams ahead of the recording, and the entire back catalog of Moore's Law Z podcasts, in addition to having thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts depending on the tier with other perks available as well. And hey... If you cannot afford to support us directly every month, please do share Moore's Law is Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family and on social media and websites like Reddit. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app of choice. All of this does really help us so much. But like I said, this podcast would not be possible without it. the patrons directly providing predictable and reliable support every month. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher supported levels. Brad Bevan, Drita Fole, A.V., Anthony Greffa, Greg Pataki, Mahal Rakhwari, Brett Jones, Aaron Close, Little Germany, Dan Rano, Daniel Hyde, Dreadbird, Ryan Riggleman, Dr. Foreman, Sam Miller, Deke, Josh Law, The Mechanical Philosopher, Terrence Herod, SNES Chalmers, Tom Bailey, Greg T. Wanchuk, Andrew S., Frank Zielinski, Daniel D., MJB1, Eric Jackson, Justice Brennan, Joshua L. Herrera, Valko Malev, The Boss Haas, Nicholas Buckner, Spantum G. Spantum, Jonathan Lord Starstream, General Jips, Flake, Michael Frederick, Matthew Lazier, Jensen Wang, Nathan Moses, Zeris, Gregory S. Acker, Dominique Cuck, Jake Dude 23, Jake Martin, Cameron, Venti CZ, HardForeRoom.com, Original Ross, Slicky, Lance Bassler, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, Chris Ray Butler, GZ Ziggy, Sarcastro, Stefan Hart, David Sebastian, Meat and Pork, Stu, Tim Rob, Luis Correa, Ian Clifford, Jesse Jeskowiak, Travis Gooding, Holden Mobley, Nanyan, Chris Rich, Deepest Learners, Mad, Zutsu Taylor, Stephen Coates, Michael McGee, Chuck Glidden, Sammy Malas, Greg, uh, AWS Danny, Patrick Grow, Amy Will Chief, Brett Summer, Milton, Stephen Dick, Tommy, John, Brucha, Mark Mitchell, McDaffy, AC, James Anderson, Marshall Pierce, Mark Raidmaker, Dave Schultz, 30S by 08, Hal Buma, Norithio, Matthew Landavazo, Stefan Koladic, Henry Zhang, Judson N, Keith Moore, The Grid, Michelle Pell, D31337 Antics, Joseph Kelly, Earth Taurus, Hexapuma, Chrysantine, Jim Ferreira, RB Racer, Keith Moore, Kita Abdul Qadar, Precision, DNA Tech, Ridion Technologies Group, John O'Shea, Royce Meyer, Charles Russell, Reginald Ari, Slushba, Teague Autumn, Jackson Miller, JSMMH, Neith Rizink, Mean Dean Cal, Andre Shocks, Gaiman Since Reagan, Jeff Sendler, Jordan Simkovic, Loophole 35, Windstar, William Welpley, James I. Raider, Corey Ladar, Nell Lima, John Shin, Justin Bustle, Kelvin, Austin Hagerty, Roger Davies, Shay, William Leake, Corey Chappelle, Evan Dingle, C2, John Iverson, Michael Aaron, The Eternal Dreamers, Jansen Ngima, Him Sagung, Derek Lambing, and of course, thank you to Zahara for the music.